A modern version of Operation Mockingbird continues as another former head of an intelligence agency, or multiple agencies, is making the media rounds. And we analyze a DARPA-funded study into the weaponization of memes. You're listening to The Propaganda Report. I'm Brad Binkley here with Monica Perez. Monica, how you doing? I'm great. How are you? I'm a little tired of seeing Michael Avenatti. Is that how you say his name? I'm tired of seeing him on every mainstream media news network, every hour of every day. It's getting a little bit annoying. The guy is a prostitute representing a porn star, and I can't even watch – I can't even study liberal propaganda anymore because every time I turn it on, this clown is on there teasing some new revelation that's upcoming. It's only going to end up falling flat again. I've never even seen him once, well, just to, it's to tell you. unbearable. I never, ever watch the news. Yeah, I haven't I been watching it as much lately because yeah. I can't turn it on without this guy being the spotlight of every single show. He's literally on every single show. Maybe the purpose of mainstream cable news is to drive intelligent people out of the marketplace of ideas. I'll tell you, the Wall Street Journal had on the front page yesterday a tweet he sent out accusing someone of something bad. I just dismissed it because there was no evidence offered whatsoever. Yeah. Oh, it was that like, uh, you know, Russia gave money to Michael Cohen or something like that. And then in that article was buried the line that AT&T gave Michael Cohen uh, $600,000 for insight into the administration's approach to their Time Warner deal. And I'm like, that is tantamount to insider trading, and AT&T admitted it. But you're burying that, and you're making the headline as if this guy's tweet had any evidence behind it, which it didn't. I'm going to find it for you. Hold on. I saw that story. That's the one that's been talking about today. The headline on the front page was, Firm Linked to Oligarch Paid Trump Lawyer. So I'm reading and reading, and, and after I got to, like, the fourth paragraph, and I kept thinking, like, uh, I've sent Binkley pictures of these kind of paper, these kind of articles before where it, like, takes four paragraphs for it to say allegedly. And I'm reading, yeah. and I'm like, well, this isn't saying allegedly anywhere. I mean, it has to be real. Or, you know, I mean, it can't be fake. Finally, in the one, two, three, it is the fourth paragraph. It says... The payments were revealed in a memo released through Twitter by Michael Avenatti, a lawyer yeah. from Ms. Clifford. And I'm looking and I'm saying, who wrote the memo? Did Avenatti write the memo? Like, who Story wrote Daniels. the memo? It's nothing. Yeah, I mean, I, could, I read the whole article. Obviously, I actually I annotated the entire article and still have no evidence except for the fact that AT&T was trying to get insider information from – the administration's lawyer. I mean, and then they yeah. did a follow-up article on that actual unbelievable scandal, which was buried on page four in today's paper, because I think somebody at the journals read my tweets. But uh, yeah, it's just so I know who that guy is because he's obviously spreading misinformation or disinformation that the mainstream media has no problem whatsoever repeating without, you know, it might as well be Gawker. I bet Gawker is more authentic. Yeah, there's been, what, an 18-month investigation, and it took a porn star's clown lawyer to uncover this damning info that they're blasting all over the headlines? Yeah, and how about that thing that you tweeted the other day that was like, NBC, 
ver- independently verified some piece of information. Yes. And then <laughs> that's the story right there. The story is, if you hadn't heard about it, NBC reported that Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, had been wiretapped and that they were listening in on conversations between him and the president. And they reported this. And then ABC shortly thereafter also reported the story, and they said that they independently confirmed the story. Shortly after that, (laughs) NBC retracts the story, and they say that they didn't actually record the conversations. They just – it was like a phone tracking thing where they could – I can't remember what they called it, but they could – just Telephone see who number. he called. Yeah. So they weren't listening, which is a big difference. Of course. And so the story is framed like this. This is what you do when you make a mistake. NBC made a mistake and they acknowledged it and President Trump always lies. And then like at the bottom of the story, it was ABC also retracted the story. They had said they had independently confirmed it. Like they just kind of threw that in there. I'm like, that's the story. They claim they independently confirmed it. They're clearly lying. Yeah, that's outrageous. And they just ignore that aspect of the story. And what's really scary about all this is that these are going to be the the authentic news sources that we're allowed to like, exactly. that we're allowed to believe. And in my mind, every time ABC says they've independently confirmed something, that means nothing now. That's that's what that should mean to the public now. That it should mean absolutely nothing every time they claim independent confirmation. Yeah. It's just it's actually kind of depressing me because I, it's all I, I've just got such fatigue from trying to get through. It is. It can be exhausting. To figure out what's true and what's not true. And this and this stuff that we're reading about the memetics that you and I were talking about earlier, hopefully we're going to get to uh, is about how they're making a science. DARPA is making a science of how to manipulate us psychologically with information. And the purpose was to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. So, so they're, they're really on purpose messing with the information to mess with our minds and ultimately society and to make it more dysfunctional. So I just, I look at this as, uh, the beginning of the end, you know, <laughs> I do. I know it's sad, but anyway, I don't want to get All ahead right. of us. Go back. Okay. I want to play a couple of clips, which are going to lead into the memetics. I want to start with Brian Stelter of Reliable Sources. Stelter does this segment where he talks about how Fox News disseminates propaganda, which they do. But CNN saying that Fox News disseminates propaganda is like Al Capone calling Bugs Moran a criminal. In this clip, he is doing a segment called From Fox News Lips to the President's Ears. That's a major meme that the president gets all of his information from Fox. It's so stupid. What's crazy about this clip I'll play it, and then uh, we'll talk about it. We decided to take a look at some of what the president said at Mar-a-Lago this week uh, versus what was said on Fox beforehand. Let's let's take a look at the combo here. There's no collusion. There was no collusion with Russia. A conspiracy theory that was cooked up by the Obama administration, by Democrats. Really a hoax created largely by the Democrats. As an excuse for why Hillary Clinton lost the election. That was never supposed to happen. Softening the blow of a loss, which is a loss that, frankly, they shouldn't have had. The FBI never was actually able to look at the DNC servers. Their server 
the DNC server was never gotten by the FBI. Why did the FBI take it? The Robert Mueller investigation is tearing this country to apart. It, it is a bad thing for our country, very, very bad thing for our country. There was no collusion. Everybody knows that. Everyone's always known that. There has been no collusion. They won't find any collusion. It doesn't exist. The administration actually doing some pretty tough things against Russia. There has been nobody tougher on Russia than President Donald Trump. Trump is now getting tough on Russia. The mainstream media is spinning in circles. Didn't they claim he'd never get tough on Russia? With the media, no matter what I did, it's never tough enough because that's their narrative. Fox said it first. The president said it second. Just because you say that Fox said it first doesn't mean it's that so they... stupid. I mean, if you if you it's like the Melania Trump thing. She did the be best, which is just sounds like bad grammar to me. But anyway, uh, she launched her children's initiative this week and they focused on how it's the same exact like wording as an Obama initiative. And instead of focusing on how that is just proof positive that there is a single agenda that never, ever changes, they're like, she copies because she's stupid, you know? And it's like, it's so when I hear this, it's like the actual truth of it is there is an agenda. There are narratives that support the the whitewash of the agenda. Trump is a rogue or Russian collusion or he's illegitimate, like whatever that is, it all of this stuff is just a generated script that is meant to, I mean, the purpose of those stories is to have a narrative that people can remember and that explains to them what's going on. Take it from me because my Twitter feed, when I, I just, you can just see like a thousand people regurgitating those exact, their memes, those exact ideas. And then if you, if you counter like with an original thought, and this happens to you all the time, you counter with an original thought because you, you wade into the left. I'm only, I only wade into the right, but I'll say like, that doesn't make sense. And then I will get a litany of talking points just like that, like stuff that Sean Hannity just said, you know, or Trump just said, like that's there, there, I believe that there's like a, a memo there. I've seen memos like this that I I actually, Oh, I forget which one I saw, but it was, it said, uh, this is the official narrative. If people, this was literally like from the state department, this is the official narrative. If somebody says this, this is what you say. If somebody says this, this is what you say. So there's a script and, and whether Hannity gets it or Trump gets it, or I don't know, or the people, John Bolton gets it, people get it and it gets spread around just like that Conan O'Brien thing. Where, you know, it's a memo and everybody's just reading the same memo. That's why it sounds the same. Right. And I want to point out that they did not go on to address the actual content of the claims. All they did was discuss, is it bad that Fox News is controlling what the president says? So they just ignored. I mean, it is true that the FBI did not look at the DNC server. They didn't go into the content of any of the claims. I mean, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if any of that even matters, but. Those facts were reported on CNN, and there is no evidence of collusion, or I think it would be out there now, you know? So they debunk by saying that the president copies Fox instead of analyzing the claims, which is really – I just don't understand how people follow that logic or or accept that logic, especially when these statements – people have been making these statements 
for two years. The earliest clip that they played was from January. The other clips were from March. That's implying that... Yeah, yeah. Okay. I want to get to the mimatic stuff, so I want to play you these two clips, which I think lead into that. Former director of the CIA and NSA, Michael Hayden, like Comey has been, he is also out promoting a new book. And the theme of his book is similar. It's Trust the Intel Agencies, and his book is called The Assault on Intelligence. This particular interview is from Comedy Central interview, and it's interesting to me because we now have Hayden, Clapper, Comey, Phil Mudd, and a variety of other lower-level former CIA and FBI agents that are appearing on MSM shows every single night. And this is Operation Mockingbird just out for everybody to see. Yeah, like what you were saying about after the Iraq War, all the generals had the same script. Exactly. They're all pushing the same narrative, trust the intel agencies and Russia's evil. Again, this is designed to attack this subgroup. It's that one of the first things you ever sent me was the Aldous Huxley audio of him talking about how 20%, I I don't know if he was talking about in the context of hypnosis or what, but 20% of the people can never be hypnotized. 20% of the people can be hypnotized every time. And I'm talking about this media propaganda, hypnotism. And 60%, you got to kind of, figure it out, you know, work with them. I feel like they've gotten it down to where the critical mass of people like uh, voters or whatever it is that they care about, or, or it's not even really a critical, it's not really a majority of people It's a critical mass of people that make you think that the majority of people are thinking that. Yeah. And that they're, they're just putting this stuff out there for this subgroup, which I now believe is a minority of the people who are vulnerable to it and who will believe it because it just defies critical thinking. I mean, I'm telling you, I talked to my mom who grew up with my father who taught me how to think, you know? And I mean, he, he might've been a truck driver, but that guy could had critical analysis down and he, uh, and she to this day, like I, I'll be sitting there. She, she's 89. She watches Fox news or whatever Newsmax or I don't know what around the clock. And she'll, she'll, interact with the television, you know, and then she'll tell me, see, the fake news is always after him, you know, that why doesn't he call them out more? He should call them out more. Yeah. And I'm like, mom, it's all fake. He's fake too. And she's like, you, everything is fake with you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You know, but she believes this stuff that's preposterous. Yeah, it's all preposterous. I turn on Jerry Springer now, and I'm like, finally, something calm and reasonable. All <laughs> right, reality. <laughs> yeah. All right, so there's three clips here. The first one, he's asked how the intel community is affected by the post-truth society. Remember that episode of X-Files? This is Hayden? This is Hayden, and he's on The Daily Show. The high friction points of the administration with the broader society, have been with intelligence, uh-huh. law enforcement, the courts, journalism, science, right. scholarship. What do they all have in common? They're all fact-based. They're all evidence-based enterprises. Right. And that's where we see the, the friction with, with a style of governance that, that is post-fact, not based on, on hard reality. Right. So we're, it's really interesting. I kind of counted them off on my fingers. Uh, last time we were here... All right. The intel digit 
was over here. Right, right, right. Because these folks over here had serious questions about how we acquired data. Right. You and I have had that conversation. Uh, that's not the argument today. These folks over here welcome the Intel guys into this circle now because we'll get back to arguing about how we acquired it later. Right. But right now they recognize us, like them, as data people. Uh-huh. And it's, it's the fact-based enterprises that feel under siege. We'll get back to how we acquire that data later. <laughs> Notice that? No, I didn't. He shows his hand while he's during the interview. He goes, it used to be the intelligence agencies were over here. So they were separate from everybody else and everybody was criticizing them because they were saying, how do you get all that data? How are you? Are you spying on us? And then he's like, but now they all accept us into their little group as a fact-based organization who is being attacked by Trump. And then he says, we'll get back to how we are getting all that data. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, I got to say that what just leapt out at me from that it was how fundamentally different my view of the world is i I remember one of my most profound aha moments like before i was in any way woke maybe before like when was that i mean it had to have been 10 years ago i i remember just thinking like who shapes how we how we think about the world and how we run the world I thought academics, academia, the media, and politicians. And what, and those are basically what he was referring to. And what do they all have in common? And I thought, none of them does anything. None of them has ever, ever had seen the rubber hit the road, has had to actually follow through on what they did and reap the results and suffer the consequences, get fired for a bad idea or bad execution, have their, yeah. have their ideas proven wrong. Get it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the, the th- those three, academia, politics, and the media, have no connection whatsoever with uh, cause and effect, and they tell us how to think. That's, that's what – that's the problem. Yeah. Yeah, they're theorists for academics anyway, and, and politicians. Bad, bad actors. Yeah, and politicians and media, they're just performers for the most part. In bad faith, yes, yes, yes. But the uh, you can even go way, way back to the beginnings of some of these academic, uh, like economics and history and stuff, 100 or more years ago, where, actually about 100 years ago, where these, uh, in the case of the ec- economists, it was sold to it was sold to academics uh promote centrally controlled economics because then you guys will have lucrative jobs and not just be a handful of of uh college professors explaining how the world works you'll be influential people who are who are controlling the world and they tried to do the, and that was just like a nascent growing beginning industry i think if i recall correctly but for the historians they went to them and said hey we want to change the world by kind of rewriting history a little bit and the historians yeah. mostly said no and then they were just kind of um as they i don't know if it was like carnegie endowment or whatever it was like wh- whoever was influencing education said okay well, we'll just wait for you guys to dry up and fall off but the historians of the future are going to think our way collectively and that's what i think is the long game here yeah. that's how they change the fundamental ideology 
is that, and that's why like the young people are the ones who are carrying the torch that we're just going to dry up and fall off. And I can see that with the technology. Like I could walk away from a phone. I get how messed up it is, you know, and I'm even making my kids kind of put it aside, but I'm the last generation who's going to do that. Yeah. And if everything is digital, if everything is on the cloud and we have no more physical books and hard copies of things, then they can change history in an instant. Yeah, the memory hole. Okay, so this next one, he responds to the claim that the intel agencies have lied in the past, which that question is asked so that they can answer that question in the minds of the viewers. They can provide yeah, the yeah. answer, you know, make them feel okay. Yeah. Do you understand, though, why some people would argue that Donald Trump is well within his rights to uh, attack the, the intelligence communities because in some ways the intelligence communities have been responsible for misinformation themselves. I mean, one of the classic examples was the flawed intelligence report that led America to the war in, in Iraq. So right. if somebody says, yeah, but Donald Trump is saying these fake things, some might argue, yeah, but the CIA and the NSA right. and the, all these organizations also did that, and that's why America's in Iraq now. It's a great question, and you and I kind of worked our way through that issue, and I, I mentioned the last time I was here, I was in the room. I voted for it. I believed it to be true. We were wrong. But, but the difference is we were trying to pursue an accurate picture of objective reality. Right. We, we got it wrong. All right. I mean, life's hard. And, and sometimes, even with your best effort, fact-based institutions fail to get the true picture. Right. That's not what we're arguing about today. What we're arguing about is decision-making that is indifferent to objective reality, that is based on these other things preference, grievance, tribal loyalty. Wow. So they do it in good faith, and the people uh, that's in charge now are evil. Disgusting. No, <laughs> I mean, he said, he didn't even say evil. He said indifferent. Yeah. He said, we were wrong. This is worse. They're indifferent. It's like, no, you're, you were evil. I, that's just very upsetting to me because it's the same line that Comey was saying. Yep. Like, you need to understand every single Per, or, you know, just about every single person here shows up to work. I mean, I think this is practically a Comey quote. Shows up to work every day and searches his heart and soul for how each and every action and decision can uphold the principles of the Constitution yeah. of the United States. Yeah. It's at, I'm reading a book called Barry and the Boys by Daniel Hopsicker. It's about Barry Seal, the guy, the pilot who ran drugs in and out of Mena, Arkansas for Bush and Clinton. And I'm saying that this is like in evidence with this guy. It's amazing, this book. And uh, they're, they're running drugs. I mean, Full stop, <laughs> you know, Gina Haspel, who's up for CIA head right now, she, I heard her say, I, when I came back from my overseas deployment, I was shocked, shocked at how out of control the drugs crossing the border. I mean, how the CIA could be so overwhelmed by this problem. I just, it's just, I can't believe it. And I'm like this overwhelmed by the problem. Did you read Dark Alliance by Gary Webb? They were the problem. I'm sure they still are the problem, you know? Yeah. And uh, and then one of the people who was interrogating her or whatever in Congress said, it's probably Senate, uh, said, I hate this expression, but I'm going to use it anyway, which I hate it when people say that. Just don't use it. It's stupid. He said, <laughs> you know, are you in your position, your job, this is hilarious, your job will be speaking truth to power. Can oh you? Gosh. I mean, truth to power. I was like, the CIA 
CIA. The Pope. That's like saying the Pope. Your job is speaking truth to power. <laughs> I mean, it's just so ridiculous. I mean. Uh, anyway, their job, besides the CIA, they still act like it's the Central Intelligence Agency, but its job is operations. They're operations that are out there to change things in the world. That's what they really do. So this idea that they're they're there as this unbiased – and John Bolton, by the way, is the guy who brought stovepiping into a common usage. Yeah. By actually funneling up, and who invented it was Colonel House, who was uh, Woodrow Wilson's Svengali, and they did it to FDR. They just they, they that's why they get guys like Trump who doesn't have a computer, or Obama, you know, who I don't think was doing his own research. Yeah, yeah. You no, know? I mean that's what it's all about. It's just outrageous, and these guys are just such liars. All right, now this one, I believe, is even worse than that one. Oh, not to mention, can I say one more thing? Yeah, go ahead. That idea that that Iraq stuff was in good faith is is sick. After the after the Naira or whatever that yeah. girl who was trained to lie in order to sway public opinion to um, was he talking about golf or after nine eleven? Which where it doesn't matter. I mean, it, it, but yeah, they the, both had organized Iraq, propaganda campaigns. It was yeah. the Iraq War. The Iraq War. The first one and the second one were the same thing. They just wanted to get Hussein out. You know, I mean, that's what it was all about. And uh, Piers Morgan, who was wasn't he a CNN anchor or whatever, had his own show for a while. He was run out of town. It annoys me that Alex Jones called him out on this because I knew it already, and Alex Jones really. Um, Whatever. It, he, I, I think he did not do anybody any good by being on the Piers Morgan show, but he did say to him, you got run out of the UK for falsifying or using false photos to justify Iraq, like atrocity propaganda that was absolutely not true. Yeah. So, I mean, there was everybody was complicit in this uh, actively and not complicit, but actively deceptive in getting people on board for the Iraq war. Look at Colin Powell. He just, he lied. I mean, I think he basically admitted that. Yeah, there was a Pentagon, uh, it was like an authorities program that was exposed, a propaganda campaign that was organized to make people believe that there were weapons of mass destruction. Oh, yeah. And your generals had those talking points to go out to... Yeah, it's anybody who I, you know who's believing this. That's the thing. This is all for very a, a very well defined group of people. This who, is why they keep it emotional and tribal. Is because when people are overwhelmed with that hate and they're overwhelmed, and they all they can focus on is that enemy. Then any fact that validates that feeling, it's not. They don't. They ha, yeah. they don't. They're not motivated to undermine it. They're not motivated to go research and prove it untrue because it's so satisfying. It releases endorphins in their brain. This is why people cheer when they see news of something bad, like like the the sex case that just happened. When we don't have to go into detail of that, I know we're short on time, um, but everybody in the right kind of cheered this when this guy the other day who was the big proponent of hashtag me too, when he had found out that he was accused now Schneiderman Schneiderman. Yeah. But like that urge to say, yeah, like that. And everybody happens to everybody, but that urge to do that first, instead of saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, let's, let's give him due diligence. Also, that's why we are bamboozled and that's why they keep us so emotional. I explain that better. I, Give me one more sentence on that. 
if we didn't have any emotional investment in hating the other side and wanting to see the other side fall, then we might see a case like that and we might say, well, let's let's investigate the facts and let's give him due diligence. Oh, we, yeah, yeah, we yeah. We wouldn't have this urge yeah. to win and we would care about the truth of it. But the urge to defeat the enemy, it sets aside truth and we right. accept but anything I, that I, – I would argue that this guy who's he, who he's talking to right now, just like the Stetler stuff, this is – it's actually – I wonder what the viewership of these shows are because I think it's actually a very relatively small – even if it's 4 million people. Yeah. That's like 1% of the population. And most – Comedy Central is going to be younger people. That's why I think this is even more – All right. Yeah. But I, it's mo- – most people – I'm beginning to think that most people are like you and me where it's just like finally you're like, I can't watch it anymore. Yeah. I can't stand it. It's it's an insult to my intelligence and my morality and my memory and my principles, you know. It's just – it's false and hurtful, like, you know, all that stuff that just repels us. Yeah. And the people who are left are the people who can take it. Yeah. You know, who, who are still buying into it. But if you really think about how many people are watching um, this stuff, I'm not sure. I, I've, yeah, it's probably not as much. It's definitely not going to be as much as they would like us to believe. That's one yeah. of the uh, the art of war tactics, as Ann Solinsky talks about a lot, is to make people believe that you are a lot bigger and a lot yes. more representative than you actually are. All right, yeah. I'll play this last one, then we'll go into the military mimetics. Here he addresses similar criticisms where he's asked about people who say that Russia, when it comes to their attempts to influence us, that we are guilty of doing the exact same thing to Russia. And he addresses those concerns. Russia and the bots and Facebook has become a story that has been all over the news. Many have labeled this as one of the biggest threats to America's democracy because they're they're pushing forward the post-truth world. Some might say Russia is only doing to America what America has been doing to them. How do you respond to this as somebody who knows better than anybody what America did to influence or not Russia's elections? Other than as an element of American policy to support what you and I would call democracy, there there are no comparisons between what we do and what the Russians have done to to our election. Remember my my three-layer cake here? The biggest problem is us. that enables the Russians to mess with our heads. Uh-huh. I mean, they've actually made a run at the Norwegians, too. It didn't work because Norway isn't a fractured society. And so what the Russians are doing is using high technology right. and approach to information dominance, which I, I have to tell you, Trevor, in, in terms of its elegance as military doctrine, is really quite good. And if you read the Russian manuals about this, it's quite revealing of some really serious thought. They call it contactless war, where we can use informational means to affect the target population of our adversary. But they're only able to do that because of our own weaknesses. Look, uh, cards face up. I mean, I'll be the last one to say that our government hasn't ever conducted a covert influence campaign. Right. All right. But there is an iron law of physics with regard to covert influence. All right. You never create fractures. The only way you can make covert influence work is to identify pre-existing fractures and then worsen them and exploit them. That's what the Russians are doing. There's a lot there. Oh, my gosh. I want to start by pointing out that he talks about 
what the Russians are doing is using informational operations, <laughs> warfare, to affect the adversaries society. Like that's some groundbreaking thing. Like we haven't been the leader in doing that since at least 1920 when Bernays studied it and talked about it ad nauseum in his books. And how about what I tweeted and what we've been reading between this article and the 150 page slide presentation yeah, exactly. from 2011 <laughs> from DARPA, which said exactly, you didn't, you didn't get through it. You didn't read every word of that? I haven't because, read every word of it. I've skimmed through all of it. But you realize that what he said, every word of it is in that Yeah, that that's why I wanted to play that clip. Which is funny because he's saying in in that in that slideshow, it says a couple of times, just it's so stupid because you know that limited self-limiting government is like a utopian fantasy. But it says in it, now we must never use this against the domestic population. So it says, so it actually says in that slideshow, which I don't believe, but it says that the reason they are <clears throat> launching this multidimensional, expensive science of uh, psychological manipulation project is purely for foreign audiences. It's purely to affect foreign societies. Right. Yeah, if I had an invisibility cloak. I would only use it towards my foreign enemies, and I would just leave it in my closet <laughs> otherwise. Right. I would just let us lose elections and let terrorists attack us and let the entire society crumble because I show up to work every day and search my heart and soul to see how I am going to uphold the United States Constitution. Right. I'm too principled to use my yeah. invisibility cloak to go check in and see what my girlfriend's doing if I'm feeling a little <laughs> oh, insecure. I'm sure they do that. But what it says in there, is that the goal is to, and he's talking about this in that clip, is to find dysfunctional subcultures and enhance them. And of the full last third of the slideshow is about, uh, it was about the tipping point and then there was some other do you remember what word was in it? I don't. I didn't print that one out. True there believers. Two books, yes. True believers and the tipping point. And it says how do you identify and exploit true believers and push them over the tipping point? That's a third of it. And like I kept waiting for the slide that said this must be prevented at all costs, you know. But that's not what it was about. Like I have to read it again to truly absorb that it's. I mean, because I see it. I, can't, I don't know what they're doing in other countries. The true believer thing, yeah, it's exactly what's it going here. on with uh, this, these mass movements, indivisible women's march. That's what they're describing. I, I think it's I'm, – I'm scared now because of the trolls that um, – I'm not scared of the trolls. But I, I believe that the neo-Nazi thing – I read a book called Conjuring Hitler by uh, Preparata, the guy's name was, which I've mentioned before, but I really get it. I'm beginning to get it better now. And it was about um, England, the banking in England, that force deliberately undermined Germany, particularly between the wars. They wanted to really destroy Germany. So they financed both the Bolshevik Revolution and Hitler, which Anthony Sutton talks about in his trilogy, Wall Street and FDR, Wall Street and Hitler, Wall Street and the Bolsheviks. 
And you wonder what, who would be funding all that stuff. But they were funding both the Bolsheviks and Hitler because they wanted Russia and Germany to be, to destroy each other, basically, so that the mainland, the homeland, the heartland, whatever you want to call it, which should be the world dominant unit, could not, couldn't coordinate to dominate the island nations, which is England and the English speaking, you know, colonies that kind of spread around the world, which is the UK, the US, South Africa, stuff like that. So, but what they did was they fomented, they basically found this, you know, maybe they found a bunch of people and Hitler was the one who rose to the top, but they found really damaging subcultures, really bad, um, you know, maybe even deviant personalities and bad inclinations, and they encouraged them in order to destroy the society from within and have a fanatical element so that it would not stop, even when it saw that destruction was at the end of the road. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I don't think, like, I, I, this this high emphasis on the neo-Nazi thing and racism and all this division and immigration, stuff like that. I I have watched it emerge over these past several years, five years, whatever that I've been aware of it could have been before that. And I, I just, I've said this to people and they're like, yeah, racism is always there. Nazis are everywhere. All this kind of stuff. It's always been that way. People were sensitive to it because they're afraid of it because they're in a group that would suffer from it. And so maybe I just was never uh, sensitive to it before, but it looks to me like it is serious. And I'm sure this is obvious. It's seriously fomented on the, in the alt media. It's not in the mainstream media. So you think it's not being shoved down your throat, but it's all over the alt media. And I think it is, it is being fomented for this um, end game of enhancing a dysfunctional subculture, which is a quote from this book, by using true believers and pushing them over the tipping point. And the end game would be serious civil conflict and uh, a destruction of the society, which is what they're going to need if they want to uh, fundamentally restructure the legal architecture of this country. They need to keep, a, you know, they do that when there's a crisis. Yeah, another thing that plays into that is something that we've talked about a lot is the separation, as you mentioned, of children from their families. And that can be done through the education system. We've talked a lot about Stacey Abrams' program of cradle to career. When they don't have the values, uh, when they're not around their parents, when they're not raised by their parents, then somebody else is free to you know, manipulate what influences them the most. And taking education over at birth is just an easy way to program an entire society to be true believers. And, you know, I'll tell you the young people thing. I have to say, I picked that out out of nowhere. I think it was for the 2018 What to Watch Out For. I just thought to myself, what dialectic has not been exploited yet? Because if you can exploit women and men, you know, these are people who live in the same house. You know what I mean? There's no dialectic. To yeah. I understand women and men are different, opposite, even whatever. But you live in the same house. You have the same interests. You, you get, you share one paycheck. Like if if your husband can't get a job and only you can get a job, that doesn't make you happy. <laughs> you know, it's a dialectic that's not as natural as, as they want you to think. 
Um, similarly, like old and young, I was like, that is a dialectic that just could run through the very, you know, the, a vein right through the, the middle of society. Yeah. That doesn't seem like a natural dialectic because we're all in the family. But of course, if you break up a family or you negate that importance of that and social security does that and college loans do that and all that, uh, you can have a dialectic like that. So I anticipated that. Why not? And then here you have the Parkland thing and the hog and all that. Uh, And, and I feel like that is folding in with, and you've, you've mentioned this, but it's really coming together in my mind the the vulgarity thing is really there to appeal to the juvenile mind, you know, to the yeah. juvenile sensibility. I saw a quote here in one of these things that we were reading. Uh, the article, so I think you're going to link these to the show notes. There, there was the slideshow about memetics, the 150 pager that I'm talking about. And then I found that through an article, which was like total whitewash. Like we need to foster belief in information because if we don't democracy will fail and we will um not be able to detect crimes and everything but it's going to take total information control because there's a lot of information infiltration out there um because actually right didn't they say by the eu by everybody they said by everybody I mean, like a global organization is what that paper was saying, right? When they were saying total information control, they weren't saying United States. They were. Uh, saying- I didn't see that yet. I I actually read thirty of thirty five pages. So yeah. I, in the last couple of pages, it might say that, but uh, but it's saying. Um, I'm just telling you the point of the article is about is is about the fact that their ability to manipulate our information is um will obviously make us no longer believe information. So they want to institute, it seems to me, an authority. The way the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, convinces us that kind of, let's call it, you know, Rockefeller medicine is safe for you. Otherwise, you wouldn't take it because it's just a freaking pill. that yeah. You don't know what's in it. So you wouldn't take it if they or truth in advertising laws. You would just advertising would have no power whatsoever if it weren't for truth in advertising laws. So they want to preserve their ability to propagandize you, even though it's very clear that there's just tons of disinformation coming from them. You yeah. know? And that's exactly and, what he was saying in, in yeah. part of that clip when he said I believe he was taught. Did he say Norway? I think he said they tried yeah. to do it on Norway, but they failed because they're not as fractured. They exploit oh, our cake, weaknesses. Yeah, and, his his cake saying, oh, we're the problem. As soon as they start saying that, they're talking yeah. about our Bill of Rights. Question, yeah, qu- and he's also talking about anybody who questions the institutions of intelligence. That's the problem. We just need to trust them. Oh, hey, I thought he was just saying what, what they usually say, which is Russia and China have an advantage because they don't have that pesky Bill of Rights. No, it, it goes to exactly what you're saying. Him and Comey and all these other guys are going around saying you need to trust these institutions of, of intelligence. Otherwise, we're going to be a fractured society and we're going to be vulnerable to Russian interference. Yeah, I mean that's what this whole paper is about. But I do want to read you one little quote in here that I think brings home that – the real target for all this stuff is the next generation that that you and me are not going to ever be true believers, but the next generation, which they're separating from us like yeah. through the like the hog. Yeah, yeah. But this but they're also doing it. They're using it to me. It's a a flag if they use like vernacular, like like really 
juvenile vernacular or vulgarity. So this is a quote from a guy named Aviv Ovadja, the chief technologist for the University of Michigan's Center for Social Media Responsibility. So he's he's a guy who is like a tech guy, but he's obviously uh, in there to shape the political atmosphere of, of social media. And this is how he talks, which reminds me of the Facebook guy who's like, I, I, um, so like, right. I have serious pressure in my social situation since I stopped using Facebook. Like, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So here, this guy says alarmism can be good. This is this guy is talking about um, a torrent of dis- this is what the lead in sentence is a torrent of disinformation could come from an AI impersonating key decision makers causing widespread confusion. And he says uh, alarmism can be good. You should be alarmist about this stuff. Yeah. We are this is what he says we are so screwed it's beyond what most of us can imagine. We were utterly screwed a year and a half ago and we're even more screwed now. And depending how far you look into the future, it just gets worse. So it's just, it's emotional, it's primitive, it's vulgar, it's vernacular. I mean, it really sounds like how my 13-year-old talks. Yeah. You know, like you you, you start like sucking, you know, suck as a word and crap and screwed, like they're kind of gateway vulgarisms, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, overdramatic. Yeah, seeing what you're trying to get away with and all that, yeah. But but one thing that really oh and the problem <laughs> in bold it says the big problem is reality apathy that's the problem and yeah. uh, gosh can I read this one paragraph I'll read it fast yeah go ahead do you want to say what what mimetics is uh, <laughs> yes I know I really should have been more organized here. here's a pragmatic definition yeah. that they give in this one thing they say mimetics. Uh, memetics. And this was a presentation in 2011, I believe, and it was a DARPA-funded study that all of these slides are based on. So DARPA was funding the study of this. A meme is information which propagates, has impact, and persists. So that's pretty simple. Say it again. A meme is information which propagates, has impact, and persists. That's their yeah, and and then it's it's 150 pages of how to do it, how to use it, and how to study people and target them so that it works on them. Okay, here's some um, examples: yeah. words, so, but, ideas, symbols, icons, logos, tunes, poems, catchphrases, fashion, technological processes, fables, graffiti, images, novels, movies, narratives, culture. All right. Yeah. Over to you. <laughs> I lost my page. Uh, um, it just, these little snippets don't matter. The point is of all of this is that they're, they, they're doing it right. So they're, they're scaring us about AI. I remember when Elon Musk said a couple of years ago, the thing that scares me the most in the world is AI. I hate government, but the government needs to control it. It's like, okay. Then I was like, who is this Elon Musk guy? You know, cause that was like such a clear um, setting the tone from a, a respected authority, whatever. And the NQTEL, the CIA VC arm, venture capital arm, is just loaded with AI stuff, artificial intelligence. They're they're developing it. CIA is developing this stuff. So with this guy, you play. Do you have another clip? No. But okay. that's all. So that last clip, 
this guy was saying about how how sophisticated and elegant and stuff the Russians are at this. We and and I read article after article. Oh, today one of the big ten headlines of the day or the week or whatever was that there's an AI conference at the White House, and it's about how. AI is moving so fast, the government absolutely has to get involved to like slow it down. Never mentions that the CIA is the one, you know, that DARPA and these, these things are the ones who are generating it. So they're creating this world of, of, um, like the social media thing. A lot of this article was talking about how, like, per, but as it happens between Twitter and Facebook and all these things, as it happens, their their social media is just this way where memes can spread like fire. Yeah. So like your three tenets of what a meme is or whatever propagation and persistence and and what was the third the, the middle one? Information which propagates per, has impact and persist. Yeah. So they act like this this channel for. Uh, information dissemination just arose and they have to deal with it. But it's pretty clear that it was created <laughs> to have this very acute impact on society that they study and control internally. This is a U.S. operation and and they're doing it every day and they're doing it here. And yeah, and and they always say they it, this is the classic like Cold War, nuclear war, invade a country. Everything is always classic, classic. They're doing it, so we have to do it, or they're going to do it to us, so we have to do it to them first. I mean, that's that yeah. was the classic premise of torturing people, of mind control experiments, of everything. That's why DARPA. That's the same reasoning DARPA recently gave for be becoming the world's largest investor in the research of the gene drive also known as a doomsday technology oh my gosh because a gene drive is where you can alter what they call an invasive species and eliminate them you can eradicate them so they're they're using it on mosquitoes to get rid of mosquitoes with malaria yeah sure but DARPA is the biggest investor in it because of you know national defense purposes, and it's just like if somebody else gets it first, we want to be ready. Which you know, there's arguments oh, to support that, but that's interesting because there is that um, rebuilding America's defenses, that really famous <clears throat> uh, report from like Rumsfeld and Jeb Bush and Dick Cheney, like all those guys. Uh, maybe six months or a year or so before 9-11 where it said we need another Pearl Harbor to take yeah. <laughs> Hussein out. They're in there. I believe it's in there. It talks about a genetic-based weapon that could actually determine who it was killing. Yeah, that's what you know, this is. But it, it was for people. <laughs> yeah, which is, I mean it can be applied to people too when you read the way they describe it. That's such a fundamentally immoral position if you ever think about what constitutes a just war. It, you're never supposed to kill civilians. You know who started that was Churchill. That he started by – he broke that. He crossed that line before anyone if I'm not mistaken. Like what they did to Dresden to terrorize the border population – by murdering all those civilians in the firebombing of Dresden. And Japan was probably the same way, the nukes. But uh, they, you're, a person's 
nationality cannot make them guilty. You know, you, you can't kill somebody based on their nationality. You know, like the Geneva Convention requires that you only target like combatants and stuff. You know, there are rules. It's just, it's, it's a very immoral approach to war. Yeah. Well, what they're saying with this information stuff, which is also, they were saying this a hundred years ago that no longer have to physically control people because they'll be able to control their minds through the use of technology and the spread of memes. You know, why do they want to do that though? Like why, who, I, I don't understand why they're so hell bent on controlling society. You know, and, well, and the want to conduct, is yeah. like the Carnegie Endowment, the, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Ford Foundation. You know, I mean, you can trace it to who's doing it. The think tanks, the World Economic Forum, you can see who's doing it. OK, so there's not the us and them. Who's they? They are that they are there. They have reports. They tell you what they're doing. Why do they want to control society like this? What fun is it? Are we pets or slaves or what? Like, what are they what are they looking at? Well, here? one reason. And that guy spoke to Hayden spoke to it in that clip is war. If you need the population to be ready for war for whatever reason, then the pot you have to be able to unify the population. And if they're too fractured, then you're going to lose the war. Well, but the report from Iron Mountain, think of it what you will, it it explains, I think, pretty plausibly that war is the society that war and society are the same thing. A society relies on that war is always used to keep society together, not the other way around. War itself, not a war against anyone for any reason. It's just war itself. So he's saying it's about war, but that's not what it's about. It's war is always what it's about because that's the only way to get it done. And what it is, is I think, I mean, if you did want to go to the report from mountain, it's really just to maintain the hierarchy as it is. Yeah. That's definitely part of it also. But I mean, you can't destroy, you know what I mean? Like, how would you do that? How would you maintain, like, what is, what are you maintaining it for? Your actual genetic descendants? I mean, is that what the gene stuff is for? Or is it, you know, is it your legacy? Is it your name on a building? I mean, do they think they're going to live forever? Some of them are probably, yeah, <laughs> transhumanism. Westworld. I won't talk I about it. I won't that. give any spoilers. I know. I'm only like on saying. I really feel like it's immoral for me to watch that show because the show is so – it presents such a damaging and I think untrue uh, assessment of of human character, but whatever. It's very. I think there'd be a market for it. Yeah, but their but their premise, I think, is that, and they say it that we live in society because we have to. But all any of us really wants to do is rape and kill. Yeah, I mean, I think it is not. I don't think that's the majority position. I hope not. I don't think so. <laughs> because if that's all we wanted to do, we would do it. Which is why. All of this stuff just comes down to, like when you read this stuff about memetics, it all, all of it, all it talks about is, is, is what people believe, and and it's because consent of the governed is all that's keeping this together. I mean, that's all that's keeping it together, 
and uh, and democracy is the greatest. Like if you think of it in that perspective, democracy is the greatest uh, political psyop ever because it's the one system that defines itself as representing consensual government. And then they, in order to, to get your consent, they, they, they take your tax money and discover deep hidden psychological levers to get you to think you're consenting. You know? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's disempowering. It makes democracy invalid on its face to the point where I, I, I'm beginning to wonder if it was always just, if, if it was it would ever have been implemented at all if it if it weren't for that very purpose well i think that there always has been an element of that to it but with our current technology and bernays talks about this in his book with the amount of technology they had back in the 1920s is that you can whisper to the entire country almost at an individual customized level in an instant, you can say something that speaks to everyone, and that's increased like a thousandfold the ability to spread personalized or seemingly personalized information to individual groups and for people to receive that information and feel like it's speaking directly to them. That, that has just given so much power to those who control these mediums. It's always been there, just the technology's improved. The defense is in what Socrates did, it's in asking questions, it's in being sharp, being skeptical, and that, that's, that's always been the defense, and as technology has improved even more so, people have to question. They, it's specifically, they have to question if you're a Trump enthusiast, a Trump loyalist, then you're most likely to be deceived by Trump. If you're into the blue wave, if you hate everything Trump says, then you're not most likely to be, be deceived by him. You're most likely to be deceived by CNN, who's right. feeding into your hate. But they have something for everybody. Right. So people, but people are focused outwardly on those who they already do not believe, you know, when they're most vulnerable to those who they unquestionably do believe. Well, as Joe Manchin said, hey, Mr. President, if I take gun control back to my town and tell him you sent it, they're sure to buy into it then. Yeah, it's your theory of everybody, everything's yeah, a contrary law of democracy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> yeah. I keep coming around to that. But it's it's just what's what's so insidious about it is that they're you know, they're not they're not using these psychological tools to help you self-actualize, to help you get in touch with what's really good for you, to get to bring out the best in you. Like, um, you know, some I know some people think Jesus was a psyop, but I, I have yet to find serious flaws in the basic premise of loving each other you know, individually and not worshiping materialism and stuff like that, those are, that's real value. But when you read that their plan in their launch document, basically their pitch is we want to enhance the dysfunctional subcultures. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know? I mean, like that's Abe what they're, they're using this propaganda, these memetics, this, 
and it's all about democracy. It's all about, and so in this, in your clip, the guy's like, we only do it to spread what you and I would call democracy. It's like, you know what? What you think of as democracy is, is whatever you want it to be. You know, whatever you think is, is best for society, because it's not like you're asking people to go sit on a mountain for five years and reflect on yeah. the difference between right and wrong and then come back and vote. Yeah. <laughs> you know? you're you're, saying, let's do early voting and you're getting in their yeah, space. You want to put saying, a chip in their brain yeah. and tell them how to vote. You know, yeah. it's it's all about consent. Yeah, you can vote just with your thoughts now. If you just think you like this person, then the chip will automatically yes. send you and, vote. and we will uh, provide you with the thoughts. Yeah, there you go. So I have there's a page here of the uh, main life cycle, the selection and fitness criteria. I think this part's interesting. The motivation and hooks. So this is how they select them. The criteria they use to select memes to propagate, according to this DARPA funded study. This first one or this first category is motivation and hooks. Threats, hell or failure, rewards, heaven or success, beneficial or entertaining, appreciative, direct feedback. So these are all criteria. I don't get it. You have to start over and go slowly. Start this with the first the name. Uh, the, they're the talking name, about life cycle. Life cycle? Okay, yeah, the life cycle the and thing. the selection and fitness criteria. And I'm reading the slide. Okay. So this is how they – these are part of how they evaluate when they're deciding which ones to disseminate. Um, so what's the motivation and the hook? So what are we going to do? Because part of the idea is you put you put it out there and then people have to grab it and repeat it. It has to be this self-replicates. So yeah, this is how they create self-replication. Yeah, um, There has to be threats involved. Is it going to be hell or failure? Oh, the carrot and the stick? Yeah, it, this, is, this is Freudian. Hell, I just I wanted to get my mind around this. Hell or failure. So it's So it appeals to the religious – you know, or, or the secular. Yeah, like he- hell and destruction also. Yeah, like, okay. Keep you know, going. we're all going to die. Rewards, heaven or success. This is the utopia, the promise of utopia. Right, again, it's religious or secular, like whatever your cast of mind. Because the people who think of like heaven and hell are harder to control with the carrot, you know, in this life. They've got like an 80-year, you know, they have a long-term plan. Yeah. That... You know what I mean? It's much easier to be like, here, take this money. <laughs> here, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the next one is, is it beneficial or entertaining? So that's a pretty easy one. Is it a funny cat going down a slide that everybody wants to share with their friends? <laughs> Cats or cucumbers. And then appreciative direct feedback. So that, I guess it helps people in some way. A lot no, of this wait. is marketing Appreciative too. direct feedback. That doesn't mean that people like give you a little heart. Yeah, actually, that is. I think that is what the it means. That's that hit. reward. Yeah, that's the dopamine lever. Yeah. Yeah. See, they tell us. They tell us all because they don't want us figuring it out. They they know that there's nothing we're going to do about it. They just overwhelm us with all the truth of it, and then. Right, you know, and here's what you were saying a second ago. The next criteria in selection is it has to fit existing constructs, and the first um, point heading under that is they aggregate and reinforce. In complexes. Hmm. I believe that means. Start again. Read it again. And then. The second criteria for selection is is they fit existing constructs and aggregate and reinforce in complexes. And I think that's like those underlying prejudice. I believe that's what they're referring to. Well, it also sounds like they're talking about things that travel in 
a pack, you know, something that is a whole body. It's almost like what we've talked about before, like how I just hate, you know, throwaway literature these days, fiction, because they don't actually develop complex characters. Yeah. They just say, well, he was a Bush supporter. What more do you need to know? Yeah. I think there's a lot of inferiority complexes too, like the poor versus the wealthy, stuff like that. Yeah, but it's just I, I wonder if they're talking about every you know, how stuff comes in a package. Like so when we're on the air and we're getting calls and I criticize Trump, they call me a Democrat. Yeah. You know, and I and because they just there's no way out of the package. Anyway, go ahead. The Pack it one, maybe is a way to think of it. The next one is it has suitable storage. So Memory or media is what it says. I believe that it's easy to memorize. It's so slogans that people can remember. And media, maybe they're referring to social media. You can easily access it. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. And then the next one is enduring vectors, chiseled in stone or in books. Mm-hmm. So that's the idea Laswell wrote about how people would write full books, like, I mean, multiple books that were all propaganda in order to demonize during World War One. is every country's writing books about the horrible things that other countries do. Which we can kind of see that when we look at the books about how bad Trump is that are coming out versus the books about how much of a hoax the Russian thing is. There's these competing narratives in these books that are being published. Oh, really? The yeah. uh, Russia hoax thing is the dialectic is emerging? Yep, yeah. There's definitely some books There's a lot of – you know, the Arab terrorist stuff, looming tower and everything, like some of that stuff is super propaganda like uh, really drives home the whole we have to nuke the entire Middle East kind of Say thing. Say that again? What are you referring to? Um, I think the looming tower, I never read it, so I'm hesitant to talk about it, but the looming tower is a book about justifying our intervention in the Middle East um, based on how the looming tower is how Islam will reach critical mass and take over the world and eradicate, you know, Christianity in the West and everything else. Uh, but there are tons of books like that and they're reviewed on right wing radio all the time. You know, they have, they do the circuit and they promote the policy agenda, which has nothing to do with that. Even if that were true. Yeah. The reason we're in Syria is because of a gas pipeline, you know, or whatever, yeah, yeah. you know, for whatever reason. But it's not, it's not because Obama, who escalated that war, was afraid of the looming tower. That is not why he dropped uh, 26,000 yeah. bombs a year on Syria. That is not why. But those books were all written to, you know, feed that propaganda right. thing. And And you'll just say, like, People will say to you, I will argue with the premise that that's why we're in Syria. And people say, well, did you read The Looming Tower? I mean, that will just scare the pants off of you. <laughs> like, no, because it's not about that. Because Obama did not read The Looming Tower and then decide to drop, you know what I mean, 26,000 bombs in 2017 on Syria. Yeah. Okay, so here it says mimatics and true believers, what we were talking about earlier. Yeah. and. They say true believers arise primarily from among the frustrated. The frustrated predominate among the early adherents of all mass movements, and they join on their own accord without the need for 
proselytizing. Yeah. And, and that could, that does the youth thing with the gun control parking thing. And it also does the neo-Nazi thing. It's funny because the meme that they show next to this Mm -hmm. is a guy wearing an American flag shirt, holding Uh up a sign, looking frustrated that says we came unarmed this time. So only (laughs) pro-gun people are frustrated. So that does everything, you know, that, that puts both of those sides together. Yeah. You know, because that's the guy that the Parkland people are afraid of. And they're saying, didn't Hogg say, we're going to change the world for those who deserve to survive or something? Deserve to be in it? Yeah, exactly. Deserve to so be in it. And super hostile. Like, it's that's, really hostile. That's threatening. We played that clip of him a few shows back where he admits that he can say anything and get away with it. Well, he's doing it. But that that's a frustrating, you know, that's appealing to angry, frustrated people. I don't know what they're angry and frustrated about. School loans, probably. Here's another interesting one under that heading of true believers arrive arise from the frustrated. To the frustrated, the present is irredeemably spoiled so that only hope provides comfort. So what they're talking about, these are the people that they target with these scientifically created memes. So this is exactly what you get from these people in these anti-Trump movements is the presence irredeemably spoiled. He is. And that's and so read the thing again, the thing that you that you to the frustrated. The yeah. present is irredeemably spoiled so that only hope provides comfort. Yeah, see, this is the kind of stuff that I'm. You no, know, I get so dark, right? I get hopeless and everything. I'm I'm changing my I think I was sucked into that as a dialectical thing. You know what I mean? Like I think I don't know if it's dialectical. I I would say I'm beginning now that I read this memetics thing, I'm thinking they they are doing so much to make sure that we consent that if we believe that there's no hope. You yeah. know, that that does most of the work for them. You and I just again? don't if you they, they're saying this memetics thing, they're saying they're doing so much to control what we think about what's really going on or whatever. Yeah. That if if we if if I hadn't seen that and I just see like, oh, people are so brainwashed. Look at this crap. Look at this crap. People are so brainwashed, I'm hopeless. I think my impression that people are so unbelievably irremediably brainwashed or irredeemably brainwashed that I gave up hope, you know? Yeah. And and it might not be true. I mean, it might just be 10 million people and not 100 million. Oh, I agree. I I don't think there's... Because I think about the people I engage with politically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But those people... Are, are a subset of the larger group. Yeah, exactly. You know, so the person I find who's going to believe everything that's spouting out of Fox News or CNN is not probably not even the majority of the people I talk to. Yeah, I don't think so. I think that would you, because we're so involved in it all the time that it seems yeah. like that to us. Yeah, I'm changing my whole I really I really I know that sounds crazy, but maybe I won't follow through with it. But I, I really have it in my mind that I. uh I need to think differently because it's depressing also, you know, it's cynical and what's the, you know, life is short, right? So why am I, why am I feeling bad? My, my personal life is good. And maybe everybody's life is, you know, once we got like stopped having dirt floors and lice, I mean, I know not everybody's in that position, but 
just you got to at least mostly enjoy it and uh, and not let them get inside your minds. Yeah, I completely agree. This is really interesting to me because this is something that everybody, all the propaganda literature talks about. It's just a different way of saying it. True believers are drawn primarily by hope. Extravagant hope, even when not backed by actual power, is likely to generate a most reckless daring. For the hopeful can draw strength from the most ridiculous sources of power. A slogan, a word, a button. That's the end of it right there. And to me, that's the whole idea of people will act based on these emotional triggers regardless of the actual evidence or facts behind it. Yes, and and this whole document and their whole program is about figuring out how to get people to do it and only only in the service of that which is dysfunctional. Yeah, exactly. You know, like at no point does it say we need to use this to instill in people a firm respect for all human life, to whether empower, that means yeah, individuality, you know, yeah. I mean, even if that means anti-abortion or anti-gun, like what, whatever it is, you know, like to have a real debate, you know, about this guy, they're not looking for that. Absolutely. At all. They'd never mention that anywhere in this document. No, nothing. There's absolutely nothing positive in that document. It's just like report from Iron Mountain, which you know, maybe was stylized. I don't know, but there, it's just, it's cynical and hopeless. And, and that's what really angers me about the clip that you played about that guy, because and Chertoff and some of the other people who get out there and Comey who cause real, real damage. I mean, they promoting, really, they disempower yeah. people. Is not, not, do. but I mean, they, they are promoting this blind faith in government and Gina Haspel too. They're promoting this faith in the organizations that justify our murdering people in other countries. Yeah, and when people and here, did you hear about those two Broward County sheriff sheriff deputies who who absolutely died in April with no fanfare at all? Yeah, Brian tweeted. I didn't see that. Yeah, people die because of this stuff. These guys are promoting. So here's another interesting one. I know you got to go. I really have to go. Go do it. This is, I mean, it's just funny, but it's also sad. Um, I'm talking about true believers again. Unless a person has the talent for achievement, freedom is an irksome burden. People join a mass movement to escape individual responsibility, to be free from freedom. This is this is a DARPA funded study. Just reminding everybody. <laughs> yeah, and they and they and they're they're preying on that. Yeah, it, yeah, but it, why? Why do people? Why are people afraid? Why are people afraid of freedom? Because this world these guys are promoting is full of enhanced dysfunctional subcultures. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's a vicious circle. You saying everybody's walking around freaked out about everything? You know, you're you're talking about how to get people to be freaked out about stuff. And, so, and, yeah, this it goes on to say, and this describes this whole activism movement is going on in the country right now to a T. It says, even mass movements which rise in the name of freedom against an oppressive order order do not realize individual liberty once they start rolling. Its chief preoccupation will be unity and self-sacrifice, which requ requires surrender 
of the individual's will, judgment, and advantage. Where did that come from? This is in that document. You oh, my me. gosh. That's crazy. A brief you overview. Know, yeah, yeah. I know that's what – I feel like I've been hearing a lot of that exact theme lately about how liberty is always used uh, you know, as a trap. But I have observed the American, French, and Russian revolutions were all hijacked 10 years after or within 10 years against the cause they were up there for. But wouldn't it be nice if they were using this firepower of theirs – to not enhance dysfunctional subcultures, but this one thing, which left, right, black, brown, white, up, down, south, north, east, west, should all agree on this one thing that they could be focusing on, that to enhance family relationships, family bonds, the strength of the family and the extended family. Could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, I mean just be think a- about that. Who could possibly object to that? If you found a secret DARPA document that said we fi- we cracked the code on on defense, if everybody in the whole world had strong familial bonds and felt true love and affirmation, we could we could cut the defense budget by ninety five percent. Let's go for it. And if everybody felt empowered to achieve without limitation, as opposed to seeing everything as exterior from them, or that freedom is a burden. Right. Then oh. we could do amazing things. We could, we could colonize space. Ugh. <laughs> got enough problems. But I mean, your freedom is not a burden if you simply the reason when I was a kid, I used to find freedom to be a burden. I was afraid of it. And uh you know, I just I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. If the answer to that <laughs> it's not gladly no one encouraged me to join a radical movement, but the answer to that would have been to help me identify my strengths and what I really, what really satisfied me and how I spent my time. Yeah. You know, that would be an answer to the fear people have of freedom. It's like um, what I think is terribly exploitive about, uh, you know, using race politically is that it's so, I've noticed this for so long. It takes, and it also often targets young people, as an adolescent, you're so insecure, uh, and it takes those feelings of insecurity and, yes, disempowers you by saying it's external. There's yeah. nothing you can do about it. You can't change the color of your skin, and this stuff comes from how people see you. You yeah. know what I mean? Not how you see yourself or or what you actually achieve. Like when I people don't like themselves, I, I, I'm like, you know what? You should think about why. <laughs> you know, Try to fix yeah. it. And you can. Right. Yeah, you totally can. But yeah, then some politician comes in and tells you it's somebody else's fault. Vote for me. I'll fix it. Yeah. And you know what? You have always had this attitude, and I never did. And I really am uh, – I'm really going to do some deep thinking. I think I'm ready for another – to yeah, level like up. That. I'm ready yeah. to level up. Well, I have positive Monica. I have to turn to my dark side to balance it out. Who knew if you kept peeling the onion, you'd get like this, <laughs> this sweet like cotton candy layer. That's right. <laughs> Let's see if we can get to that one. Wow, that was a genuinely positive note. I love ending on a positive note. All right, let's end it there. All right, let's do it. Uh, thank you so much for everything. Subscribe to the Propaganda Report, propagandareportdaily.com. If you haven't, thank you to everybody who has donated to us on PayPal and Patreon. You are the reason we can continue to do the show. Thank you very much, and we will talk to everyone next time. Later. See you later.